this episode of the This Is Believeland Real Browns Fans podcast, me and Jordan are joined by Kyle Andrews, who used to be in Baltimore, but now he is in Pennsylvania. Kyle, how you doing? Doing pretty well. I'm glad to be on again. And, uh, you know, as always, we're going to talk uh, some Ravens and, and Browns like like usually AFC North in general. So I'm excited. Yeah, it's usually a pretty good time. Uh, you know, you and Jordan are meeting for the first time today. <laughs> I've been... Hi, Kyle. Nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you too, man. Officially on air. Yeah. <laughs> we had a little uh, pre-show meet and greet, but this is the official on air one. Uh, so, you know, the Browns and Ravens. Uh, historic rivalry. Ravens took both games from the Browns last year. Uh, one was a complete blowout, which I kind of expected. The other one was a little bit closer. We had a shootout. But I, I think going into next year, I think they're going to be more similar to the shootout or at least close game than the blowout one. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be a closer game, and I think the Browns have made some improvements on their defense too. So, you know, that's one thing that I can't, um, you know, for me, I can't state enough that the Browns got really close last year, and they probably should have won that game had Lamar Jackson not come back and, you know, do what he does best, and that's come, come and you know make spectacular plays, and you know, more or less that play was contained perfectly mm-hmm. by the Browns. I mean, that that's one thing that we need to keep in mind that that shouldn't have happened. You know, it's just that because Lamar Jackson's such an incredible talent, you know, he was able to run the run his receivers open and get Hollywood open to uh, you know, run that into the end zone. So, you know, I, I think this Browns team is gonna be way scarier. I love the fact that, you know, on on November twenty eighth, they're going to be playing on uh, Sunday night football. So, I, I believe that's Sunday night football, if I'm not mistaken. But um, you know, actually, let me check that. Yes, that is Sunday night football. That is Sunday so, night. Okay. And it's in Baltimore, so it'll be a pretty fun one. I'm I'm looking forward to it, and I know the Browns are going to show out for that game just as much as the Ravens are. So this is going to be a fun fun uh, series that they have this year. Yeah, so I have a question back to that kind of last game with uh, the the last play that got Hollywood open about the receivers. So James knows this, but I was a giant Bateman fan coming into the draft. I just think he is incredible. Is he gonna like start for you guys? Do what, do you have any idea? Oh, like, absolutely. They he's he's starter. <laughs> he's starter. <laughs> like he's the he's the best. I I think he's the most complete receiver that they have right off the bat. Um, just on on the basis of the fact that he is such a crisp route runner, you know, he's brought the energy up within, you know, the 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 locker room. I think um, based off of what Marlon Humphrey said, and I can pull his quote up here soon. But he, you know, Rashad Bateman has done everything to endear himself to his teammates, even on the defensive end. And I think when you can do that that goes to show you how much respect you carry in the locker room and how hard you work. And I think that, you know, having him be a comp, I mean, complimenting Hollywood Brown, who, you know, they do, they do totally different things. And then even adding in, um, you know, some of the other guys that they had last year, like Duvernay. Um, and, and of course, let's not forget the fact that, you know, Nick Boyle's returning along the pair with, 
you know, the the best, one of the top five tight ends in the league and, and Mark Andrews, I think mm-hmm. that you have some weapons there. You have some people that you could kind of throw out there. And then I know you guys, boy, uh, J.K. Dobbins, of course, he, um, you know, he's in the backfield. So I, I think he's going to be even better this season than he was last season by far because he's going to be the the guy. He's He's the starter jumping into the season. And, you know, I, and not only that, but they have Gus Edwards, too. So, I mean, I think this team, although I will say, you know, if I'm them, I would have liked to see them get another tight end because I think the Ravens are best when they can run two tight end sets mm-hmm. um, and maybe and usually have a, a second pass catching tight end along to go with their third tight end. That's usually their blocker. But, you know, I I don't hate what I see from them right now. I, I don't I don't think they have a they don't have a gigantic hole in their skill position players that I've seen in, in years past. Um, you know, offensive line they, it's not it's not the same as it was last season at the beginning of the year. Like when, when we first came into the year, I'm like, okay, this O line looks pretty solid and then injuries happen. And then now Orlando Brown Jr. is is gone. Mm-hmm. He was traded. Um and uh, now they have Alejandro Villanueva at uh, right tackle or mm-hmm. left, really left tackle until Ronnie Stanley comes back. And we don't know when that'll be. So, yeah, you know, that's the thing that concerns me about the Ravens. And that's part of the reason why I think, you know, I think with the Browns, this <laughs> this uh, front seven that they have, uh, you know, and having Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett together mm-hmm. against Alejandro Villanueva, I'm uh, I don't know. I don't know. So, you know, hopefully the, Ronnie Stanley for for the Ravens sake, he can he can come back. But, uh, you know, I think it'll be pretty tough early on. You know, there's one addition uh, on the line that uh, I was very, I don't want to say concerned with, but it seems good to like, be a solid pickup. That's Kevin Zeitler. You know, we had him in Cleveland for a couple of years. We sent him to New York in the Odell Beckham Jr. trade, that whole very large, complicated, convoluted trade <laughs> but Kevin Zeitler is a solid pickup for the Ravens line I mean he's getting a little bit older now but he's still a really good guard yeah I think Kevin Zeitler is a very strong pickup for the Ravens I to me I thought you know when you brought him in um you, you added somebody that I mean you didn't have a good right guard I don't think since uh Marshall Yonda left I mean mm-hmm. so once Marshall Yonda left you didn't have a veteran presence I mean a, a significant veteran presence yeah. like I think Kevin Zeitler brings to that uh offensive guard position not to mention that you know you had multiple guys I mean at center that was another position that that concerned me a ton uh coming into you know, last season, and then they didn't really address that. And, you know, they tried to throw out Matt Skura out there, and he was, you know, he wasn't too good in that position. Now he's with the Dolphins. You know, you tried to throw out Patrick McCarry, who was a, uh, you know, he he was a guy that coming into the season, I thought he was going to bring a little bit more. But, um, you know, he didn't didn't do as much as you needed him to. I mean, and he is an undrafted rookie. I mean, he was an undrafted rookie. So, I mean, he's, he's overperforming, truthfully to make as many starts as he did, especially as a guy that was a tackle in college. Um, but, uh, you know, now they have Bradley Bozeman at center and Bradley Bozeman is a natural center. When he was at Alabama, you know, winning those national titles, he did it as a center. Um, so I think this is his most 
you know, everyone's like, well, he hasn't done it in the NFL. It's not the same. And I'm like, neither did Patrick McCarry. Mm-hmm. You know, Patrick McCarry was a uh, he was a tackle <laughs> in college, and then he switched to center in the NFL. I think that's a little bit harder than a guy that's been a center in the past. Um, and then not only that, but then you add the kid from Georgia, but Ben Cleveland, who mm-hmm. doesn't look like a kid. The guy looks like a he looks like a mountain. He looks like the mountain. He's I mean, a, a guy, brick shit house. Yes. <laughs> yes. Six foot six. What is he? About three thirty-five. He's a large um, man. And and the funny thing is, I'm about the same height as him. Maybe a little bit. I'm a little bit taller, but he that dude's he could, he could rip my arms off. He could use <laughs> one arm to rip both of my arms off. So, yeah, I'm that guy is that guy is huge. And you know, I understand that Alejandro Villanueva. You know, I would, if I'm the Ravens, I would prefer somebody else to be in that position by years in because he, Mm -hmm. I mean, he's a stopgap. We all know that he's not going to be there for long, but if he's the right tackle, I'm fine with it. If he's the left tackle, I think the Ravens are in a little bit of of trouble because I think Ronnie Stanley, that's a huge drop off. Ronnie Stanley is a top, what is he, a top five left tackle in the NFL? You know, so you lose Lamar's life so much easier. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think that's part of the reason why Lamar is as good as he is, is because of Ronnie Stanley. I think that's some, that's certainly something that we lose um, a ton in the fray is that Lamar is so good because of Ronnie Stanley. Mm -hmm. And 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 the funny part was that I remember when Ronnie Stanley got drafted, he was there to protect Joe Flacco, (laughs) and Flacco's life got a lot easier with Ronnie Stanley. I think that. That year that they uh, that they drafted uh, Roddy Stanley um, and started him at left tackle right off the bat, um, Mike Wallace had like a thousand yards receiving, and I think <laughs> Flacco Flacco threw for about four thousand yards that year. So I mean, that that's the kind of stuff that I look at. You know, Ronnie Stanley he helps. It doesn't matter what quarterback lines up back there; he's gonna go and try to maul the guy that is lining up in front of him and he's going to try to protect this quarterback so to have him out I'm assuming the first couple of games of the season that's going to be a little bit tough on the Ravens but I think um, you know we, we've seen crazier things from them very like I guess the question that I have is the idea here that because Lamar is so good on his feet and there's a, I think what a misconception with Lamar is like, I hear people say, oh, he doesn't read the field well. I actually think Lamar is probably the best or one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL reading the play. It, it's, it, it's, it was a lot of the times it was, especially last year, like Mark Andrews either got open or nobody got open and then Lamar had to force the throw. So I, I guess my question is the hope with Bateman uh, Hollywood having another year in the NFL that Lamar's just going to be able to cope with the weaker offensive line, at least on that left side, uh, because he has the receivers. Is that kind of the theory, or is it just like, listen, we didn't, we needed, we didn't have the time or ability to add one? Well, I, I think that part of it was that now, you know, you, I think adding Alejandro Villanueva was was very good for them because they need it. I mean. If you have to throw out Tyree Phillips at right tackle, uh, yeah, that's that like like Mark Jackson says is barbecue chicken. You know, <laughs> they're, they're gonna they would eat him alive. Like he he's done. Um, and now I, I don't think Tyree Phillips is a bad guard. I think he's decent at guard, but he's the kind of guy that you want to be 
to kind of learn behind someone. I think Kevin learning behind Kevin Zeitler is good for him because I think that's where, you know, I think that's where he'll be best at. He'll be best at learning behind a, a good vet who I think can, you know, show him the ropes over the next couple of years and then allow him to be like a swing tackle or a, um, you know, or as, a, or as a, a left guard or right guard, somebody that you can just plug in if someone goes down. So, you know, that's, that's number one. Number two, I think, um, you know, with Lamar's ability to read, I, I, and, I, and this, this is something I think that, you know, one thing Lamar does very well is that he reads defenses after the play starts. I think once he gets that, those juices flowing, once he starts moving, he can read anything. You know, I, he's a very good processor when when the play's already started. Now, I think one thing that he could develop a little bit more in is, you know, his pre-snap reads. But the fact that he doesn't make stupid decisions after he already has the ball snapped into his hands, that's the most important thing, right? Because you could be great at reading the the where the defense is coming from before the snap. But if you can't process it on the field, it doesn't matter, right? So hashtag Baker Mayfield. <laughs> and, and I and I think Baker's gotten better at it too. Baker, to me, I mean, after last season, look, hats off to him for for showing everybody that he that he deserved. I mean, like my thing is, he might Lamar. Yes, he won MVP, mm-hmm. but Baker Mayfield absolutely deserved to be, you know, one of the top quarterbacks in that draft too. So. I don't I don't have any issue with him. when when he went number one overall, I didn't have any issue with it because I, I thought that the guy was he had the most talented arm in that draft class. And not only with that, but now he's actually making smart decisions. So I think Baker's gotten better at that and hats off to Kevin Stefanski because I think Kevin Stefanski's a he's a genius and he's gotten the most out of Baker. And I, I think any kind of offense that kind of fits that Gary Kubiak mold. Mm-hmm. That's what you, you know, Baker Mayfield fits that offense to a T, I think. So, you know, I think both of those guys being 2018, you know, draft class quarterbacks, they, you know, I, I like what I've seen out of them both. So, yeah, they, they, they're doing great, I think. Now, there's one player on the Ravens offense we have not talked about yet, and I don't know how that's happened, but that's, new addition Sammy Watkins uh the Ravens uh receivers have been they've been okay in the past but you know that's been one of the sticking points for you know Lamar Jackson and what he does overall I I think adding Sammy Watkins to that group of receivers kind of legitimizes that receiving group just a little bit more and it's gonna make Lamar's job in life a little bit easier as a passer because we all know he's a good runner but it's the passing I think that a lot of people have been critical of. Yeah, I, I think I think Sammy Watkins is the type of guy that the Ravens need. He's a different kind of receiver than mm-hmm. I think Hollywood is and Rashad Bateman. You know, and when you can get guys that can t- attack all three levels of the field, you know, I, I think that's very, incredibly important. And it brings some legitimacy to, you know, Lamar as a, as a, as a passer if a guy like Sammy Watkins wants to come here. You know, or I come to Baltimore. I'm not, I'm not in Baltimore anymore. I got to remember <laughs> that. But uh, it's all good. You know, it, it's just to me. I think the Ravens they have they have a guy now that I, I think in the past you know receivers 
they they didn't really have three receivers that could attack the field in different ways. Mm -hmm. They had a bunch of redundancies. They either had a guy like, you know, I think Miles Boykin, who is six foot four and is a is a decent jump ball receiver, but doesn't play to his height. Mm -hmm. um as much or it doesn't play to his uh physical size as much um but you know with or they would have a very speedy receiver yeah. <laughs> like like hollywood brown mm -hmm. you know or or like tory smith i mean and tory smith did exactly what he was supposed to do he knew his assignment <laughs> as uh people always say but um you know it, it's it's like now they actually have guys that are young you know that they two guys that they drafted. I think that's something that we we never saw during the Joe Flacco era was that they drafted two different receivers in the first round. Mm -hmm. They never tried. They it's like they never tried to draft receivers during the Joe Flacco era. They were like, oh yeah, well, Torrey Smith, we'll draft him in the second round, and then as good as he was, we're just not going to draft uh, any more receivers in the first round. <laughs> And we're going to wait till Torrey Smith leaves and then draft Brashad Perriman. So, yeah. Browns that... legend, Brashad Perriman. <laughs> hey, he's starting this year. Everybody's saying he's going to start. So uh, That sounds I like mean, a Lions problem. Good luck, Jared Goff. Like. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, good luck, Brashad, playing at the same city that your father once played in. Best of luck in Detroit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I look. Rashad's definitely gotten better over the years, but I, I think that just goes to show you, though, that if he's gotten this much better, mm -hmm. and maybe he never was going to be a number one guy, but I think his ceiling's a number two at least. But then that, that also goes to show you that the Ravens didn't know how to develop receivers. That's and I fair. think that was another thing that was, you know, sketchy to me was that not only did they not draft guys, but they didn't know how to develop them. And I thought that was that was more of an indictment on the Ravens as an organization not to be able to develop receivers. And I think those the winds are changing now. I think now with Rashad Bateman coming in and Hollywood Brown and, you know, having uh, Sammy Watkins there, I think now people kind of realize, like, this is – if I'm a receiver, this is the kind of place that I want to play it. So – you know, maybe it'll change. Again, like, I agree with what you said. I I will stand by this. I think Lamar is one of the best processors post-snap, if not the best in the NFL. Uh, Mahomes is another one, Russell Wilson, but Lamar's up there. I, I mean, as a Browns fan, what scares me about the Ravens this year is I think they will be devastating in both the pass and the run game. Like, both of our franchises have like it, some sort of analytics department and I've listened to like the guys from the Ravens analytics department on a variety of podcasts. And they always make this point, which is that when you can attack defenses in every way with every type of player, so receivers can run quarterbacks can run or pass running backs can run or pass catch. Like everybody can do something. It's so much more difficult to defend. And I, I feel like with Bateman, with Watkins, uh, I, I I think Hollywood's going to get better this year. Like that's just tends to be what happens with young receivers. I, your offense terrifies me. Like as a Browns fan, like I, I know the line has its issues, but Mark Andrews, like, I don't know that offense just terrifies me. Yeah. And I, I think this, this offense could be a, a top, you know, a top five offense if all goes well, um, you know, and they did it with, I mean, arguably worse talent a couple of years ago, 
you know so if they can do it with that kind of talent a few years back um if if, if the ravens are just a decent passing team if they're like 16th in passing you know a bunch of people could live with that if they're 15th or 16th in passing because we already know the running game is going to be you know a top five running game so you know that that should scare people honestly i mean if you if you're running the ball you know for five yards a carry and then you're also turning around and passing the ball eight yards uh i mean yeah eight yards per completion i mean that's that's pretty terrifying you know like that's something that i don't think and and especially since i think the ravens offense has been known in past years to be efficient mm-hmm. um something that we never really saw uh, pre Lamar Jackson, no offense to Flacco, but I, I think that offense wasn't too efficient. Um, and, and part of it was the way that they built it. I mean, they built it like they were running a 1980s offense. Like it looked like Phil Sims was out there at quarterback <laughs> sometimes because of the kind of like play calling, like we're going to run the ball 50 times a game and then we're going to try to do a play action. And then the, the receiver r- runs the wrong route. And then next thing, you know, Flacco gets picked off or, Joe just like stares down somebody and then tries to switch his switch his eyes back to the middle of the field and throws a pick a la the uh, Philadelphia Eagles game 2016. But, uh, you know, though it's just they're doing different things. And I think this offense can open up a, a ton, especially in the passing game. And I think they're getting real about wanting to do it, you know, and I, I think that another thing that we could see if it if it does go south, the other thing that I could see happening is that Greg Roman could get canned. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't think that'll happen now because I think that the weapons that they have, especially a receiver, it's going to make it too hard for him to get, you know, fired. I don't think, I don't, I mean, personally, I thought they should have just added a passing game coordinator last year. Now they have one. And I think that, you know, with T Martin there, I think T Martin's going to get these guys and he's going to whip these guys into shape and they're going to be, the receiving game is going to be way better. I mean, if there's one thing with a, with a Greg Roman offense, it, it, it always needs some kind of new, I guess, new life injected into it. A little bit of a variety, just kind of spice it up a little bit because a lot of times we've seen it before is that, Defenses catch on, they shut it down, and it becomes ineffective. So if they can find a way to diversify their game plan and find new ways to attack, it can continue to have Lamar Jackson play at the level he's at. And I think that's basically what the Ravens need, and I think they can do that. Yeah, and I, I think that if you add, you know, if you add these different guys and, and use this, diver- I mean, if you diversify the way that they attack, and I think part of it has to do with the fact that Yes, you have three different kinds of receivers. You have the two tight ends. You have the two running backs out of the backfield that I think are, you know, weapons in their own right in the way that they attack. You have a Swiss Army knife at quarterback who can do everything that you need him to do on the field. I mean, shoot, if Lamar Jackson wanted to line up at all the all, I mean, he could line up at running back if you wanted him to, all jokes aside. But you could also line up at receiver if you wanted him to, all jokes aside. Yeah. Um, you know, he can do everything. Uh, and then and then now you got, you know, these new additions to the coaching staff. That I think that's a huge – that's one thing that I think people aren't talking about enough with the Ravens is that these additions to the coaching staff probably 
I mean, I I thought when the Ravens had David Cully as the receivers coach, I was just like, what did he do in Buffalo? You know, what what did he do in Buffalo? Like I'm and not only that, but they gave the Ravens I mean the freaking uh Texans gave the Ravens what is it, two I think it was two fourth rounders or something, or two yeah, two third rounders or fourth rounders for Cully. Okay, like thank you, you know. <laughs> Like no offense to Cully, but he didn't. It's not like the receivers were good with the Ravens, besides mm-hmm. Hollywood. You know, the, and the tight ends did better than anybody, really. So, like, I, I to me, I, I just thought it was, you know, they fle- the Ravens fleeced them. Like, if you wanted to take, if you want to take David Cully off of the Ravens' hands, fine. Like, who cares? Truthfully, <laughs> like, I just think these new additions, though. You know, like I said, having having uh, Chris Hewitt, Chris Hewitt is, you know, I mean, well, actually, no, Chris Hewitt is on the defensive and my he's also a pass game coordinator, but on the defensive side. Yeah. But when you add T Martin, you add some of the other guys that they've had. And I, I think, you know, it's going to be it's going to be incredibly interesting to see what happens in the next couple of uh, months with this Ravens offense. Like, I think this this should be the most excited that anybody's been about a Ravens offense. I think, especially having Bateman there. Yeah. I mean, I, I really like when I think about the AFC North, I feel like the Ravens and the Browns are like two tiers above the Steelers and the Bengals. And like, I think James and I disagree a little bit on the Bengals. I really just don't like, I think that team's better and it's still a really bad team. I, I don't, I just don't – I don't get what they're trying to do. Like, I know they, they're they still in kind of that Kubiak schemey thing that the Browns run, but they don't run it well. And, like, I in the Steelers, I mean, that that team is bad. I think Steelers may finish last in the AFC North well, this year. I'll say this about I'm the Steelers. I'm glad you say that. I'm glad you say that. I'll say this about the Steelers. The Steelers are still the Steelers until they're not. So, until they're not – I, I'm not going to take them lightly. I, I've I mean, fallen into that trap too many times. I mean that that is also fair too, <laughs> but I think this year is a little bit different because I think Ben Ben Roethlisberger's geriatric. I mean I say that every year, but that guy that guy's hanging on by a thread at this point. And the other thing too is that their offensive line is like <laughs> it's it's so bad. Like it's even worse this year. Yeah, what did what worse. did Dave Chappelle say? He was like, some, he said something about doo doo butter. That's that's <laughs> the Steelers' offensive line. It's bad. It's so bad. That is one of the worst offensive lines that I've seen on paper in a long time. Like, what? I mean, like, okay, I, I'm not afraid of any of their offensive linemen. When they had the pound, when they had a, uh, you know, Marquise Pouncey, I'm like, okay. Well, I mean, he he's he's great. And then yeah, I mean, DeCastro was there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Villanueva was serviceable. But I just think everything else, I mean, what do you have left? Do you have Trey Turner? Or not Trey Turner. Uh, what is his name? Uh, Trey, uh, I'm, I'm going completely blank on his name. I'm, but... I'm pulling up their depth chart right now. Uh, see if I can get it. All I know is they, they took a running back in the first round because they needed most help on the offensive line. I feel so line. bad for Najee Harris. It was Trey Turner. too, man. Yeah, oh, yeah, it was Trey Turner. Trey Turner. I, I was right. And okay. a whole bunch of guys I've never heard of. Oh, former Brown Zach Banner. 
Yeah, have uh, fun with Zach Banner starting at right tackle. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I, do. I feel bad are. for Najee Harris because th- that line is going to make his life a living hell. And no, like, the Steelers were more difficult last year when Big Ben wasn't playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I think Ben. This is the thing. I think Ben is Ben's been done. Um, that's number one and number two. I I just never understood why they never attempted to draft a quarterback. Just never understood it because I'm like, okay, you had I, I thought, uh, you know, it, it's so many guys that were on the board that I'm that I looked at that I I thought that the um I thought that the Steelers should have drafted. You know, Calvin Mond was a, a guy that I'm like, okay, maybe he'd be a good fit for the Steelers. And if they took him, they could sit him behind Ben for a year and then let him take over the reins. But they just were like, oh, well, we're just not drafting this, a quarterback this year. There's no point. We have Dwayne Haskins. Good luck. And, <laughs> wait, and that's wait, the is thing. he their backup this year? Dwayne Haskins is I, on their depth chart. Uh, they he's still on, have he's fourth string on a on a depth chart, but I, I'm sure he'll be the backup because you know he's better than the other two guys. But maybe they'll have fun. And, yeah. and to be fair with Dwayne Haskins, I don't mind that because he's someone who needs to learn a lot. And mm-hmm. Ben Roethlisberger's been a pretty pretty good quarterback as a professional. So if there's someone to tutor him as a quarterback, there are a lot worse guys out there. However, I don't know if Dwayne Haskins is ever going to be able to be the guy. But if there's a way to make it work, this is a way to make it work, honestly. Because I, I was an advocate last year for the Steelers trying to go out and get Jameis Winston and have him be the backup for Ben Yeah, I thought Jameis would have been a perfect guy because Jameis honestly plays kind of like, like Ben. Just like did. Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, yeah like when... a good quarterback, too. Like, I, I know the interceptions, that's like... Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? But beyond the interceptions, <laughs> beyond the interceptions, I I think he really like ever like he is a decent processor pre snap, less so post snap. His arm is incredible. He actually does have really good vision. Like I, I he's not immobile. Like he well, he, he got his vision correct. He's got his vision remember. fixed. He, he's yeah. not squinting so, anymore. He's not yeah, George so. Costanza on the freeway spotting <laughs> raccoons. Okay, you can actually see people now. <laughs> and and not only that, but he's with the I, I think too the fact that he went to the Saints that mm-hmm. helps him out a ton because he got to sit behind Drew Brees for a year. Now, after learning from Drew Brees, uh, learning under Sean Payton Payton's tutelage, even though it seems like Sean Payton doesn't even really want him to play quarterback because he wants freaking Taysom Hill. <laughs> Somehow, I don't even understand how that works. Max because... Lamar Jackson, man, Taysom Hill. <laughs> oh my god, that made me so sick. I was just like, this dude, Taysom Hill is not even a quarterback. Like the dude, the dude was never. I mean, I, I just didn't get it. Like the guy throw, he has a weaker arm than I do. I've been, I've been throwing a football in a in a game since I played flag football in in high school. So yeah, you know, he like that guy. Is, that guy has one of the weakest arms in the NFL, and the fact that people even want to consider him to be a, a threat to Jameis Winston at quarterback down there is just, it's ridiculous. And, and like you guys said, I thought, I thought Jameis Winston would have been a perfect fit for the Steelers, but the Steelers were like, eh, we'll stick with Ben. We don't want to, we don't want to upset Ben. We don't want to scare Ben. Who cares about what Ben thinks? Ben's been washed for like two, three years now. Mm-hmm. He's done. Yeah. 
and and that's you know and he's been he's been a great quarterback for them he's going to be a hall of famer ben roethlisberger is a hall of famer no doubt in my book but he's done he's been done and they need to they need to go and and reevaluate next year let's say okay if the wayne haskins proves that he's he deserves the backup job Mm -hmm. which i think he he will get you know, we'll see what happens, but that offensive line is 100% going to kill Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger is going to break something this year. Might be a thumb, might be a, a pinky. I don't know. Yeah. But behind that offensive line, I don't think, I don't think Lamar Jackson could play behind that offensive line. Yeah, it's not. Good. You know, not. I don't think Prime Vic could play behind that offensive <laughs> line. That is one of the worst offensive lines that I've ever seen in my life. And I don't think your fastest quarter, your two fastest quarterbacks, if you put them in a one person. And you just said, okay, you could run a, a three five uh a three five forty. I don't think that guy would even be able to be protected behind this O line because I think the Steelers have one of the worst O lines in the NFL on paper. Give so, him a give him a turbo button NBA jam style and they still wouldn't be able to play. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and not to get too off topic, but uh, when you mentioned Taysom Hill and his weak arm, I just realized what his passes remind me of, or whose they remind me of. You remember Denard Robinson's moon ball passes at Michigan? Yes. Just oh, the biggest goodness, arc yes. in the world, and they would take, like, they look like punts. They look like punts. And yes. that's what Taysom Hill's throws are. They're Denard Robinson moon balls. Oh, my goodness. Well, I, I hated, like, the narrative, like, oh, well, we bring him in because it throws teams off. Like, no, it doesn't. Every team knew when Taysom Hill came in, he was going to run the ball. Like, you were not – I I stand by this. They should have let Drew Brees just continue throwing. Like, Taysom Hill should not have been entering games as, like, this, like, switch. I I just – I think Trace McSorley's better at that than Taysom Hill. <laughs> like, I I, I just I, – I don't – All like jokes it. aside, Trace McSorley, honestly – I mean, and the funny thing is that's why the Ravens brought in Trace McSorley because they wanted – a Taysom Hill kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I don't think Trace is Trace is definitely isn't as fast as Taysom Hill, but Trace has a way better arm than Taysom Hill will ever <laughs> even dream of having, which is which is sad because I don't think Trace has a very strong arm. And you know, I I just think that the this it's just it's just very comical to me that Taysom Hill is even considered a candidate for possibly starting in the NFL. Like, it, it, why? Why? He wasn't good at BYU. I mean, like, Tim Tebow was a better NFL quarterback than Taysom Hill was. That's that can bad. Range. I, I, I think it's more just – I think it's not really a real conversation with the Saints. I think it's just more media talk and being like, Taysom Hill is fun and all this other crap. I don't think it's real, honestly. <laughs> There's no yeah. way they, they trot out Taysom Hill as the starter week one. If they do that, I, Sean Payton I, should be fired. Yeah, I agree, and I don't <laughs> think they'll do that because I, I think if you, <laughs> it's funny because I think that this like Taysom Hill is what I thought Tim Tebow could have been had Same. he just wised up and just said, you know what, screw it, I'll do this. Yeah, but you know he he did what he did, and look at what's happening now. He's a he's a fifth string tight end on a, on a Jaguar, so have fun. <laughs> like, <laughs> This is after his failed baseball career. I mean, yeah. you're on the one team possible to actually call you up to the majors to try and sell tickets and jerseys, and you still couldn't do it, okay? Hey, look, if he played for the Orioles, he would have been up. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. <sighs> Tim Tebow. 
Uh, well, since we're talking about quarterbacks, I think there's no better time than the present to talk about possible quarterback extensions between our two teams. Uh, we, In my opinion, I think Lamar is going to get a really big deal. Um, I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I, I think Lamar is going to get somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, $40 million. Um, I think that's a going rate now for quarterbacks. Uh, I don't see why you wouldn't get that amount of money. I, it, I, I think it's coming, you know. Um, and I, I think, like, the amount of money that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I can't remember how much money Dak Prescott got, but I think Lamar will get something north of what Dak got. Definitely not what Patrick Mahomes got, because I think Patrick Mahomes, that contract, I don't think it'll get touched for a very long time. <laughs> uh, four, four years, 160 for Dak Prescott, so $40 million a year. Yes. Yeah. So I, I think he'll get something a little bit north of what Dak got, maybe about like in the neighborhood of 42, especially with the uh, NFL. Um, I think the cap's going to go up in the next couple of years when they renew the TV deal. So it'll be cool to see what he gets. But, um, you know, I also don't think he's going to em- completely obliterate the cap room. So that's another thing, um, especially with the with the fact that if, you know, if that TV deal goes significantly higher than what they have now i mean 40 million isn't going to kill you so well i I think he'll get a good chunk of the change if he gets re-signed does mark andrews get re-signed too i think so i think so but i think someone else they'll probably miss out on someone else which is i mean plus the fact that they already have ronnie stanley and marlon humphrey re-signed i think that's that's the most important thing now as, as far as uh, Baker goes in this conversation, what is your, I guess, perception on what his contract should be from an outside perspective? From an outside perspective, that is a tough question to answer because I think Baker Mayfield, ah, man, it's, I, I it's really... It's tough, isn't it? It's so tough because I think that one, they're going to... The fact that he hasn't thrown, I, I mean, it's still, it's crazy to me that he still hasn't thrown over 4,000 yards because it, it seems like to me he has the capability. Of, well, I mean, I definitely think he has the capability of doing it. I just think that, you know, part of it was because I think with, with Stefanski's offense, it isn't about those gigantic, you know, we're going to toss the ball 80 yards down the field type of plays. Mm hmm. That was more or less the Hugh Jackson offense. That was the, you know, vertical, uh, you know, streaks offense that they they were just like, okay, well, just go out there and throw the ball as deep as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I was kind of confused. I'm like, you know, looking at him, it's so tough to kind of gauge because some people are going to be like, well, hey, look, he didn't have – he has all these great receivers and he hasn't been able to do this and that. And I'm like, I don't think that's what you should judge him on. You should judge him on the fact that he's been able, I mean, especially last season, if he has another season, like he did last season, I think you have to judge him on the fact that like one, this guy has done everything that you needed him to do to win a game, mm-hmm. you know? And everyone's like, well, he's going to lose you a game. I mean, he, he he's a game manager. And I'm like, no, he's not. Like, Baker Mayfield's not a game manager. We need to scrap that idea altogether. I think he's a very talented quarterback. I just think that sometimes – I mean, he's – you know, sometimes he makes boneheaded decisions. And I think that 
that's the only thing that I can say bad about Baker is that he makes boneheaded decisions sometimes. But I think otherwise, the guy's a very talented quarterback, and I think that he's going to deserve. He deserves money. He deserves to get a, a, a second contract with the Browns because he's the best. I mean, if we want to be completely honest, Baker Mayfield's probably the best thing that's happened to the Browns in like since Bernie Kosar. Like, <laughs> if we if we want to be honest, like, I mean, he stabilized the quarterback position for the Browns. Mm-hmm. So that alone should make him a very high-paid quarterback, in my opinion, because, you know, Browns fan, I, I, think, I think outsiders are looking at Baker Mayfield judging him off of, you know, every, I think every, every outside person wants their quarterback or they want a quarterback to be elite. And they yeah. think if you're not elite, you suck. And that's not true. Mm-hmm. And I, I hate that discourse that, you know, a lot of fans have had in the NFL that has said, you need to be elite for you to be on my team as my quarterback. And I, I don't agree with that one bit. And I think that while Baker Mayfield might not be elite, he's still a top 12 quarterback in the NFL. And I think that's what you, you only, to me, you need, I, I think top 12, that could win you a Super Bowl still. You don't need an elite quarterback to win you a Super Bowl. Because mm-hmm. Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl, and Joe Flacco <laughs> wasn't elite. And, I mean, Joe Flacco was elite during the playoffs, <laughs> but was he was he elite during the regular season? Absolutely not. But they open up the playbook, and I think that's part of it. Kevin Stefanski, I think that, you know, if honestly, honestly, if all goes well with the Browns, they could, I mean, they're a dark horse. I mean, at the at the very least, the dark horse to yeah. win the Super Bowl. I think they win the division personally with Baker Mayfield at quarterback. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the Steelers team, the Steelers are, the Steelers are putrid. Like I don't think they. I think they're going. They're going to be fourth in the division, in my opinion. Um, but that's just me. I could be wrong. They could pull the Steelers and go like, <laughs> what is it? They're going to go. Uh, 12 and five this season or something <laughs> and, and somehow edge the Ravens out and maybe sweep the Ravens. Who knows what will yeah. happen with them. But, you know, I, it's between that. And I also think the other thing too, that kind of jumps out to me is that the Bing, I mean, I think that the Browns, when it comes to playing against the Ravens, I think they're going to split. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think this, the thing that, I'm looking at mostly with the fact that you do, like I said, Baker, I think is, is good enough to win you the division. I think you can win a Super Bowl with Baker. I think that this Browns team, you know, even though I joked around and said the Steelers would be 12 and five, I think the Browns could either be 12 and five or be 13 and four, whatever the new, uh, you know, with the 17 game season, whatever they can be. So I think, you know, we have to keep in mind that this is, this Browns team isn't the old Browns. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like they made 500 new additions to the defense. They just, you know, added the right pieces. They just did everything. I mean, they stayed stable, you know? So I, I can't, I can't say enough how much, you know, I wasn't a believer in them two years ago, mm-hmm. but things can change significantly, you know, and they have changed. And I think this Browns team, they're ready to go. Well, and I, I think one of the big things, too, and, and James and I have had this Baker discussion seemingly for, like, over a year now. Um, I mean, and it, it's still because – so, like, last season started, the Browns don't look great the first half of the season. 
And by the Browns don't look great, I mean Baker really just did not look great, and the rest of the team looked like it was really getting used to Stefanski's offense. So bye week happens, Stefanski dumps down the playbook, and then the Browns look phenomenal. And there's reason to see that no Odell definitely plays a role. I think Stefanski is up there with the Shanahan's and McVay's of the world in terms of his ability to scheme in this offense. And like people kept saying, oh, well, all the Browns do is run outside zone. Like, no, like Stefanski added a lot of gap plays, added inside zone. Like he, that run game was really versatile. And so the question to me always has been, is Baker a kind of a Jimmy Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins type quarterback? Like a guy that's a perfectly good NFL starter probably a little inconsistent here and there, but can win you playoff games. And if you get the good right team around him, great run game, great kind of receivers, great offense. Can, can you take it to the Super Bowl, or is Baker going to be, is he going to be like a top eight guy, right? And to me, the problem with that has always been, he's inconsistent. He's been in the league for three years. We have a year and a half of data saying he's barely a starter, and we have a year and a half of data saying he's a top eight guy. And the question is, is that just going to be his career or or is he going to really go? I, I think he's closer to the top eight guy than the bottom eight guy. Uh, but but the question to me has always been, if you give him, I mean, Baker wants is going to want the 40 million a year, right? That That's going to be what Baker wants. And so the question to me is, if you're the Browns, do you invest that now? Or do you wait and see how the season goes? If the Browns win the AFC North, I think Baker probably has an incredible year and then you have to pay him 45, 50. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't yeah. know what the best answer is. I, I continuously say, I don't know what the best answer is. I just, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And I I'm right there with you. I think that's, that's a tough one to call just because of the fact that like, you know, what, if he does something great this season, you know, I'm running to the bank of Von Baker. You know, give me all of the bunny. But I think if if he continues on the streak of like, you know, if he if he does what he did last season, that's fine. But when when I mean, because like winning a playoff game in Cleveland, that's huge. Like I, I don't care what anybody says. That's probably mm-hmm. one of the biggest things that you can do as a Cleveland athlete, especially as a as a quarterback for the Browns, is win a freaking playoff game. Like that has not happened in a very long time. And the mm-hmm. fact that he's he did it and did it in such a convincing fashion, you know, that that doesn't hurt one bit. Um, but you know, I, I just think that I think that he has to if he wants that that forty million dollar contract, he's gonna have to have, you know, he's gonna have to have a season where he wins where he where he at least makes a Super Bowl appearance, I think. And he's he's gonna have to throw for four thousand yards, and I think he's close to doing that, and I think he will do it this season. Um, but we just got to see what he what happens. And you know, the one thing that me and Jordan have discussed many times previously is that it, we we're discussing Baker Mayfield and the success he's had. Yet to separate, is it because of what Baker's doing or what Kevin Stefanski's doing? And we've been mostly in the camp of Kevin Stefanski has put him in the right position to win. Baker's just executed what he's been told. Now, I think for him to get like one of those large contracts, something comparable to Dak Prescott or what Lamar or Josh Allen's going to get, he's going to have to do things where it's like, okay, Baker made that play. That wasn't Stefanski guiding him to 
where he needs to go. Yeah. And I, and I honestly think in that Steelers game, he did more than what Kevin Stefanski asked of him, honestly. Stefanski wasn't even coaching that game. Yeah, exactly. That was Baker's best performance. That was, that was straight up Baker that Mm -hmm. game. And, and that's when I was like, look, if Baker Mayfield, (laughs) one Baker Mayfield was throwing the ball deep, just like you needed him to. I mean, he had a, he had a, a passer rating of 115. Mm-hmm. Like Baker was very good. Now that that next game against Kansas City, I mean that was that was a tough game, and I'm not. That's not all on him, but I, I think that they they kind of got scared when it come it came to throwing the ball downfield. It seemed like they tried to condense everything. Mm-hmm. So. I actually think Baker played better, and I, I, I said this, but I think Baker played better that game than a lot of people give him credit for. Mm-hmm. There were plays like that. Rashard Higgins, right, catches the ball. It's a great throw. That Baker makes that throw. Higgins catches it, and rather than making the safe play, he tries to go for the dangerous play and gets a fumble, right? Yeah. And, and so I, Baker gets the credit for that throw, but, I mean, if that play converts, Browns probably win that game. Yeah. Like, that's how crazy that that game was. So I, I think Baker towards the end of the season showed a lot. I also think Baker's like, he is a big game player. I like, I got to give him credit there. Like mm-hmm. you can see in big games, the coach, like Stefanski always like every big game this year started with these bomb throws because I think Baker's just like in it right when those games start. Mm-hmm. And Stefanski knows like if he starts slow, Baker's going to force something to make a dumb play. Yeah. So better just to have like those deep, like play action uh, bombs. And so I like that about Baker. I- I'm not saying I think Baker's bad. I, I-, I just, my view is we got to see another year. I-, 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 I don't know what he is yet. Uh, that's fair. Yeah. I-, I think we all have a pretty good idea of what he is, but there's just too much highs and lows and inconsistencies that you still see that, you still don't know for sure. And I think if you're going to be committing a large amount of money to him, you need to be sure of what he is. And that is more consistent and a little bit better of what he's been on on average. Well, and I think Kyle said that too, right? Like Baker needs a 4,000 yard year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he does. If he has that straight up, I'm, I'm good giving him the contract. Right. And if it's more than what we would pay now, Sucks to suck. I'd rather have a good quarterback that I'm paying a little bit more money to than a quarterback that I'm way overpaying. Um, so I, I really just think, like, it does the Browns no harm to wait a year. Mm-hmm. It probably does Baker more good than harm. If Baker's yeah. confident in his ability, he should want to wait a year because then he'll get more money. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and the one thing I'll add is that I've said this many, many times. Uh, if they can avoid a Carson Wentz-Jared Goff scenario by paying them early and finding out that they overpaid for a mediocre quarterback, do that. Avoid it. <laughs> And and that's another thing too. I've I feel bad about Jared Goff and Carson Wentz because I feel like with Jared Goff, well, no, with Carson Wentz, more or less, I'll start with him. If if that knee injury never happens, Carson Wentz wins the MVP and and wins the Super Bowl and probably wins Super Bowl MVP. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know that was such a freak thing that it sucks for him. But, you know, and I, I think Philly fans were on his neck a little bit too hard when oh, it yeah. really wasn't all his fault. And now they're in, even, they're in an even worse situation. Um, but when it comes to the Rams, they, they kind of just like 
it was like, okay, I don't think Jared Goff is the reason why. Jared Goff wasn't bad, but Jared Goff wasn't great. And I, I think that was the other thing that we mentioned before. That was the same thing I mentioned before yeah. about everybody wants their quarterback to be a elite quarterback. No, not all elite quarterbacks. I'm not. Me personally, I wouldn't make that trade for Matt Stafford. I think Matt Stafford's a very good quarterback, but I'm not. I'm not wasting all of that money and picks so I can, you know, throw away my future for Matt Stafford. You know, unless I, I was a hundred percent positive that Matt Stafford's winning me a Super Bowl, and I, I think that Rams team. Do I think they're better than the Ravens or the Browns or like Kansas City or, you know, Tampa? Or even the Packers, if if Aaron Rodgers stays, no, I don't the 49ers think Forty Niners even, yeah, like, Forty Niners are going to be healthy this year. I, I people are sleeping on that team. Yeah, and, and I mean, and the Seahawks are still in the division, so it's not mm-hmm. like you know, it's not like the Rams are playing against a bunch of slouches. So I, I, I don't understand. And not to mention, let's not forget the Cardinals are still there. So yeah, it's just like why. I, I don't I never understood that I just never understood that the Cardinals have AJ Green now let's see if he uh, doesn't hurt his hip in uh, you know the first week of the season yeah I want to say they have in quotation marks AJ Green yes <laughs> exactly the, the, the one thing I will say about the Rams in the defense of acquiring Matt Stafford is I think pretty sure Sean McVay realized he reached his limit on what he can do offensively with Jared Goff. And I think by adding in Matt Stafford, who is a much more accomplished and better passing quarterback, it opens up a more wider uh, selection of plays that he's going to be able to draw from. And I think that's going to make a huge difference in what the Rams' offense looks like. Yeah, and I I, I totally agree with that. And I, I think they're going to be they're going to be a better offense, and I, I think that's great. But I will also say that how much you want to mortgage your future. That's um, fair. Well, you know. I'll, I'll... Also, that defense, they lost Staley, who's I, – I, st- I think he's the best defensive mind in the NFL. And then they lost, like, half that defensive uh, backfield to the Browns. Like, John Johnson, um, Troy Hill. Mm-hmm. They're Browns now. Yeah. And I know, like, the Rams defense is Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, and a bunch of guys. But I – I don't know. I think that defense is going to take a serious step back this year. Yeah. I think they're going to kind of even out. Like it's the offense is going to pull themselves a little bit closer. And I mean, to being better. And I think the defense is going to kind of take a step back. So, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting to see. And not only that, but like, you know, Troy Hill, by the way, is a, uh, is a Youngstown guy. So, you know that he, I, I think he fits in perfectly with that Browns defense. He's home, pretty much a hometown guy at at that point. Um, so it's it's going to be really cool to see uh, what he does. But like the Rams, I think, like you said, Jordan, I think they they took a step back um, defensively. So you know it's it's only a matter of time what we see. I think that offense is is going to get a lot better, but. You know, you can't retain as many people when you're paying, you're hashing out so much money to Matt Stafford, who I think is a very good quarterback. And I think mm-hmm. in this situation, you know, could he win a Super Bowl? Possibly, but unless it's a sure thing, I'm not, I'm not trading for him. Like if it was the Saints, now if they did it, I would have been like, oh, okay, well, yeah, go ahead. I thought Matt, Matt Stafford. That's that's honestly when I thought the Saints 
when I saw when when Drew Brees was retired, I thought Matt Stafford would have been the perfect fit for the Saints. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But when they decided, okay, well, let's just go with Jameis, which I think is fine too. You know, I, I kind of looked at it and I'm like, okay, well, where else could he go? And then when the Rams picked up on Matt Stafford, I'm like, okay, I get it, but it's also like you're giving up so much for him. And I think, you know, unless you're 100% positive, and I know that, and to me, I think they're not better than 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 like many of the AFC teams, and then even the NFC teams. I don't I don't think they're better than any of them. So I think it's going to be really tough. It's going to be an uphill battle for them. Yeah, I mean, I also I thought the 49ers would have been the per, also another perfect place for Stafford. Yes. Evidently, Shannon was on a podcast this week and with the, yeah, with Sean McVay. <laughs> yeah. Um. So 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 I like his. I actually I'm a huge Matt Stafford fan, like huge huge. But I, I think I agree with you, right? Like you, it, how much better are you with Matt Stafford than you are with Jared Goff? I think they're better. I think that offense. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Sense. But but the question is, are you better than the Buccaneers now, right? Are you better? Are are you going to win your division, right? Because if not, yeah. that's a really expensive trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just yeah. If you if you make that trade and you don't win your division, you know, and now I think that's all their thing too. They're kind of lucky because the in the the NFC West and in, in general, I think like. You know, a bunch of the media markets over there, especially in L.A., I think L.A. as a football, as an NFL market isn't, like, it's it's not it's not to the point where everybody's, like, diehard and you're getting questioned on everything every two seconds. So even if they weren't to win anything with them, I don't think that's going to force them to do anything. Yeah. Um. So we'll see. Uh, all right. I, uh, one last thing here to, to wrap things up. A fun little exercise here. Uh, from least pres- amount of pressure to most amount of pressure, rank the quarterbacks in the AFC North. From least amount of pressure to most amount of pressure. Um, I think least. Uh, man, that's a tough one. I think Ben Roethlisberger, because I, I think whatever Ben does it doesn't matter at this point he's won two super bowls so he has the least i think i'm with you on that one jordan um uh i yeah, think i've been for easy lead. yeah this is when things get interesting see now now it's tough because i i think well i guess i could i could say joe burrow because i think joe burrow's coming off of a knee injury so i think that's fair to say okay so i i don't think you know you can't really judge him as harshly um. Oh man, <laughs> this this is where it gets really tough because I think between Baker and Lamar, they both have a ton to prove. I think Lamar getting over this last hump, and then I think, you know, Baker taking that next step. Both of them, it's just like, man, I'll give, I'll say Baker is the next, is the second to most amount of pressure. And then I'll say Lamar is the most, only because I think Lamar has already won an MVP. Now he has to win that Super Bowl. You know, okay. even if Baker didn't win a Super Bowl, if he win, if Baker, if Baker were to go out to, uh, this year and throw for 4,000 plus yards, I think he's, you know, he's good. He's mm-hmm. good to go. But like, you know, other guys, I, I think, 
with with Lamar's situation, <laughs> you know, not getting because everyone's like, well, when will Lamar get over that last hump? And it's not really on Lamar, but I think I think the pressure is more from the outside than it is from him mm-hmm. and the Ravens as a whole. Because everybody in Baltimore knows that. You know, these playoff losses haven't been on Lamar for the most part. I mean, he's the only reason why they've been sticking around the games. <laughs> you know, they they folded under pressure. So many guys have dropped passes and, mm-hmm. you know, guys have come open and swatted. You know, it's just been so many things that shouldn't happen that have happened. And it's not been because of Lamar. But, you know, I think he's under the most pressure from the outside. And I think Baker Mayfield is second. Yeah, I'd go along with that. I, I, to me, for even for both Baker and Lamar, they're both getting extended. Um, I don't think that's where Lamar's pressure comes from. I think for Baker, the question's going to be how much are you getting paid in that extension? But I, I would be surprised if the Browns don't resign him next year or within the next year, either way. Because again, kind of like you said earlier, like he is the best quarterback the new Browns have had, and I think they the front office will give him a new contract. It's just how much. Um, I think Lamar is going to be under pressure to get to a Super Bowl or at least make a strong, strong run at it. So I, I would put Lamar first because I think as good as that receiving core is, I, I I think your defense is good. I don't know that I think it's great. And I think that offensive line is shaky. So I would put Lamar first. I think Lamar has a lot to prove and very good tools to do it, but maybe not the best tools like around him, so to speak. Yeah. So here's where I fall. Obviously, Roethlisberger fourth. Burrow third because he's a rookie and whatever, right? I, I, have, hear, yeah. I have Lamar second, and here's why. He's already won an MVP. He's already proven to be a very good quarterback, and we all know he's going to get a large contract. Baker, on the other hand, we like we've said earlier, we don't know what he is. We don't know what that contract value is. Is it going to be a little bit lower? Is it going to be higher? Because of that amount of, uh, I guess, that large level of difference between what he could make for that next contract, I think it's going to apply more pressure on him from that. And it's also going to, you know, is he going to be able to show that he is the one making plays and not being essentially guided to make plays so i think because of that because baker still has a lot to prove as a quarterback and it also comes at a time when he needs to i guess play a certain level to get that large extension that's why i think he's the number one quarterback under the most pressure i would i would i think that's a fair (laughs) that's definitely a fair assessment me too so uh, I, I think that's going to wrap it up here for uh, this episode of the This Is Believe on Real Browns Fans podcast. Uh, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. It's on my personal YouTube fa- page. It'll be on thisisbelieveland.com as well as realbrownsfans.com. Uh, Jordan, anything you would like to plug? No, no. Thank you so much, Kyle, for coming on. This was great. And Kyle, know, what I, you would I like to plug? I appreciate it. So just uh, I write for Center Daily Times in uh, Pennsylvania, cover Penn State athletics, and I uh, cover high school sports. Um, also, um, my my uh, Twitter is uh, Kyle J Andrews underscore, and um, that's how you can find me. So uh, you know, if everybody wants to talk with me about the Ravens or anything on Twitter, I'm I'm down to talk. 
And I, uh, I definitely recommend following Kyle on Twitter. And uh, I'd like to say thank you for coming on today. We've had a great time talking about the Browns and Ravens and, you know, some general quarterback discussion. Oh, yeah, always, man. I appreciate you all, you know, having me on.